0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Grace Society podcast where theology meets practicality. I'm Jay
1: Segundo. And I'm Justin. And today we have another special guest for you guys, mm-hmm. Pastor Rick McDonald. Yes, sir. Hey guys, thanks for having me. No problem. And would you like to introduce yourself a bit, Pastor Rick, so our audience can get to know you before we begin?
2: Uh, well, I am a pastor in the city of Azusa. I have been in ministry here for 47 years. And uh, for the past 16 years, I've been uh, the director of the Jesus House of Prayer.
1: And because of so much extensive knowledge and exactly how um, Pastor Rick just shared um, his heart about prayer and for prayer, um, is exactly why we invited him today to talk about this, to talk about such an important topic um, for each and every individual Christian and as the body of Christ as a whole. And that is why we're talking about prayer And we want to know, Pastor Rick, um, what is prayer? And for just kind of give us a definition to kind of understand for some of us who are listening who may not really have
2: a grasp on prayer, how would you define it? I would say most people think prayer is a monologue. Mm. In other words, we talk to God Mm. and it stops there. (laughs) But the reality is it's a dialogue. Mm. And so prayer is about conversation with God. And to me, the key to prayer is the ability to listen mm. um if if you're not listening to what God says, then when when you pray and you just talk and talk and talk, that means you have no expectation of God moving in any way hmm. and and so um you know many times well, I think five or six times jesus said in in the Gospels it's recorded for he who hasn't here to hear, let him hear right. And then when the angel of the Lord appeared to John in Revelation 2 and 3, every letter to the seven churches ends with, for he who hasn't ear to hear, let mm. him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Mm. So prayer is not just speaking. Prayer is also listening. Yeah. And do you think
0: that, as you said, um, that attests to the fact of people who say, I don't hear from God. Um, is that expect? Is it could it be that they enter prayer with that expectation of, I don't expect to hear, I'm just saying, I'm doing my due diligence and saying A through Z, um, but because of their um, just beginning with the mentality of, I don't have an expectation to hear, is that that could be the
2: reason that they don't? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think there's another premise, and the question is, what or why are they praying? Mm. What are they praying for?
0: Yeah.
2: You know, and and in my experience, um, people generally pray for four reasons. Mm. Um, the first one's fear. Mm. Um, short story my father in law was a pilot in World War II, didn't know the Lord. And um, most planes that went down in World War II toward the end was not because the enemy shot him down, it was because of me- mechanical failures. Mm. And so he just felt something about this one flight that he was going to do, that he wasn't going to come back. And uh, my mother-in-law had stuck a New Testament in his duffel bag. And so he took it out and he said, God, if you get me home, um, I'll, I'll give my heart to you. Hmm. So he took off and he flew and he got shot down. And so they had to parachute out, everybody in the plane. And then he got shot down in enemy territory So for three days, he had to, by night, they had to float down the Irrawaddy River through the enemy encampment to to get to where they are. And while he was floating on the river, he says, okay, if you get me off the river, I will serve you all of my life. So two instances of fear. Hmm. Now, he kept his word. After the war was over, he got out of the military, went to seminary, um, got his degree, went back into the Air Force as a chaplain. Wow. And Hmm. then served as a chaplain in the Air Force. But So there's fear. Then there's want, you know, finances, girlfriends, you know, relationships. Mm-hmm. They, they want something from God, and so yeah. you're going to talk to them. There's also duty. Right, yeah. Um, I've had conversations with people that believe because of God's sovereignty, God's going to do what he's going to do. And my question is, then why pray? Mm. And their answer always is because the Bible tells me to. Right. So, so there's a sense of duty. But, but I think the, the most profound reason to pray is intimacy. mm um, you know, my, uh, it's, it's having a partnership with God that can only come from dwelling and abiding. And back to your question, mm-hmm. most people don't understand prayer because they don't understand how to abide with the
1: Lord. Wow. Wow. I think what you just said, those four reasons, are something that we can all identify with at some point. Um, and I think I kind of want to go from there because you mentioned one, one point that I've heard often in the church which is why pray if God is sovereign? So how do you rationalize those two things? Because the truth is, yes, God is sovereign, and it's an attribute of something that characterizes our God, but at the same time, that it not only be duty that we pray. So like, how do you rationalize those two
2: things? Well, first of all, I don't think it's a rationalization. I think it's understanding man's relationship with God and God's mm-hmm. relationship with man. If if we don't understand that, and a lot of Christians don't, a lot of Christians understand, if I ask Jesus into my heart, I'm going to heaven. Mm-hmm. If I don't ask him into my heart, I'm going to hell. Right. And that's the premise for the relationship. But, but the bottom line is, when, when did prayer begin? Mm-hmm. You know, when you go through scripture, there's over 650 prayers in the Bible. Um, there's probably f- over 400, maybe 450 answers to prayers oh. in the Bible. Uh, Jesus was a prayer warrior. I mean, if he's fully God and he's fully man, why does he need to pray? Mm-hmm. You know, we have twenty-five prayers in the New Testament that Jesus prays, and and so um, Jesus understood why pray. Right, um, but it all goes back. So um, before before Jesus, before we have salvation through grace, there was the law. But before the law. You know, the world was a mess.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, you had Adam, he fell, then you had up to Noah and God yeah. and God could have said, I'm just gonna destroy it all, and now I'm gonna give animals reign over the earth. Mm-hmm. He could have killed Noah and his family too, but God God had a plan and it began with Adam. Yeah. And and in Genesis, I think it's Genesis four, Genesis three, um, after Cain has killed Abel and Eve has a new son, Seth, it says that, uh, you know, Seth then uh, begat um, Enosh and uh, Enosh. uh, After that, it says, and man began to have conversation with God. Mm. And so we have all the way back in Genesis four. So, I mean, we know God had conversation with man before that, right. You know, Adam, where are you? Yeah. Um, You know, to Cain, where's your brother Abel? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, so, so we know that's going on so i for me if if you don't understand the premise of of God's relationship with man when God created Adam mm. okay, Adam in Hebrew, Adam means man mm-hmm. and so God named man man <laughs> right. you know and, and and so and what that means is Adam represents all of us, yeah. um you know what wow. God intended for Adam he intends for us even today, yeah and and so. And when God created Adam, the first conversation he has with Adam is, uh, first of all, he has a conversation with the Godhead, this, this let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Mm -hmm. And then he says, speaking of Adam and Eve, let them have dominion um, over the fish of the earth, over all the earth. Um, And, and so God gave Adam dominion Um, and dominion means to rule.
0: Mm.
2: And so, if God gave it to Adam, then He also gave it to the offspring of Adam. Right. So what God entrusted to Adam, He entrusts to us. You know, and there's that Psalm that everybody quotes all the time. You know, what is man that you are mindful of him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and in there it says, "You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hand."
0: Mm.
2: So mm-hmm. God made us to have rulership, to mm-hmm. have dominion over creation. And, and because um, he fully gave it to Adam, right? it became Adam's to do with whatever he chose to do. And, um, you know, it's interesting because it says in, in Genesis 2, that it says that, that God uh, gave the garden, said that the earth is yours, and, he, and God took man and woman, put them in the garden to cultivate and to keep it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so this, this word to keep means to guard or protect. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, intercessors love to quote Isaiah 62, behold, <laughs> I have placed watchmen on your walls, O mm-hmm. Jerusalem. That word watchmen is the same word as to keep. Wow! So it, wow. it means watchmen are there to guard and protect. Yeah. So that's what God gave Adam to do and Adam can do what whatever he wanted to do with it. And by creating man in his image, God entrusted something to us that he never entrusted to any other creature. And that's the ability to create eternal spirits. Mm. And and so with that comes this responsibility of we, we carry God's glory because we're made in his image. And so when it all boils down to after after this this fall in the garden and and if I would take all of it and I would put it into um, this, this image of God means that Adam was like a shadow, a reflection.
0: Hmm.
2: Um, it doesn't mean that Adam's face looked like God's face, <laughs> but everything about Adam's character and nature was a reflection of who God was. And so, you know, Adam was, was comparable or similar to God um, and so much like God that it was, you know, everything in the garden thought he was God why because god gave him dominion and rulership over all of creation and um so adam was put here to to govern or to manage um god's creation And so he represented god on earth yeah and uh, as god's governing manager here his assignment was to be the watchman or the guardian and um and then however things ended up it was the same for adam's offspring so you know so if the earth had remained a paradise, um, it would have been because of Adam, right. humankind. Um, if things get all messed up, it's because of Adam. It's because of, <laughs> it's, it's because yeah. of humankind. Yeah. You know, if the serpent ever gained control, it was because of Adam. Wow. You know, he messed up. So humanity has always been in charge. Wow. So then the question is, if if humanity's in charge, then how does humanity... Um, Function in the role that God gave us yeah. here on Earth, mm-hmm. and the answer is prayer. Prayer, wow,
0: yeah, and I mean that that answers what the the next question I had is just the uh, in regards to the
1: necessity of prayer. Um, but you you had answered that um, right. So now we I want to take a look at this because we have to assume that role of of the governance in which God has given right. us through also abiding and coming from a place of abiding. So taking those two things, how we can see how necessary the necessity of it, but um, how kind of do we begin into the understanding or a greater understanding of the necessity of doing that function of through prayer governing, through prayer, um, having relationship or having
2: intimacy with God? Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's, <clears throat> there's a number of things. And first of all, the key is, um, Paul in Ephesians gives us this picture of what it means to have a relationship with God and he uses marriage mm. as a picture. And so if you look at fruitful, <clears throat> godly successful marriages, um, you see, there are, there are things in that relationship, that are a picture of our relationship with God. So it's it's not just abiding, it, it is intimacy, it is closeness. Um, you know, so the, the story that's woven throughout scripture from Adam all the way up to us today is God and humans, for better, for worse, we're doing it together. Mm. And uh, you know, God using human hands. You know, he says, if any amongst you sick, let them call for the elders that they may lay hands on and anoint. It's, uh, you know, it's it's the voice to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's going, you know, go into all the world. And uh, he needs the the prophets, the priests, the judges. Um, he needs all of it. But how does that happen? How do we speak that? How, how do we live that out? And um, for me, if I had to give, if they said you can only tear out. 10 pages of the Bible and those are the 10 pages that you have to live on the rest of your life. Um, I would give everybody the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. So if, if you want to know to have, how to have a relationship with God and, and cause even in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that when you pray, pray this way. And so he gives us this guideline uh, of how to pray It's not a formula, right? But, but it's a guideline. Um, and so, um, we pray, um, in a way that can only come out of, and if you don't know the word, then you have a hard time praying. Mm -hmm. And and if you don't pray in faith, you know, it says in Mark 11, um, uh, that um, Jesus says when you pray, he says, uh, uh, have faith in God. That's how he starts. If you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. And Mm. do not doubt in your heart, but believe those things that you say will come to pass. You'll have what you say. So prayer without faith um, is really words flying up in the air and falling to the ground. And and let me clarify faith. Um, Faith is more than believing. It's more than wishing. Mm. You you can be struggling and going, God, I just don't see how you're going to do this. I don't think that's faithlessness. Mm. I think that's honesty. Right. And there's a big difference. Yeah. Um, and so, um, go ahead and uh, I have a great example in Elijah, but if there's something else you want to ask. Yeah, there's there's a lot that <laughs> we can kind of, kind
1: of unpack from here.
2: And just so you guys know, we did say
1: we fully understand this is not a one episode type of topic. There's so many ways we can go. We're just trying to bring a greater understanding, um, for the necessity and the reason why we should pray. But you mentioned something about having a hard time praying if we don't know scripture. Yes. So I kind of want to unpack a little bit the the necessity and the importance of knowing scripture and how that kind of plays into knowing how to step into the role of governing.
2: I think first of all, to know scripture, there's this great verse that says, every promise in scripture is yes and amen in Christ. Mm. So when we pray, God gives us promises in scripture. And, and unfortunately, um, m- many people, when they pray, um, believe that these promises are a formula. The whole issue with faith is the evidence of things hoped for right. and the substance of what we can't see. And to know that, um, you know, li- life is... Walking with God is like a chess game and and chess masters, they it may look like they're making a move, and you go, Why are you doing that? You're gonna lose. Yeah. But they've already thought 12 moves ahead mm-hmm. and they know that in 12 moves, right now it looks like you're gonna lose, in 12 <laughs> moves, they're gonna say checkmate. Oh. <laughs> and that's how it is in our walk with Christ. Mm. We have to keep our eyes on him, we have to hold on to the promise. And, and and not go by what we see, mm. but go by what he says. So again, if we don't know what he says, we are going to fall into what we see. Mm. And if we fall into what we see, then we are, our faith begins to wane because we're putting our hope in what's before our eyes instead of what's in our heart. Right, right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because I think that um, many times we kind of, especially when we're new to Christ and not necessarily even when we're new to Christ, um, we kind of struggle. And I've seen it in my own life. Like, what should I even pray or what should I even be talking about at this moment? Like, I know, thank you Lord for this food and for what you've given right. me and, the, right. and, and gratitude, but there's always that sense of, there's more that I feel like I have a responsibility to pray for, but I just don't really know how to even step into praying for my city praying for my past praying for um whatever it is I felt that God has placed in my heart so what you're kind of saying is we have to know God through scriptures know his heart in order to further know
2: how to pray right and the great thing is if you're not really sure what to pray there are plenty of scriptures to pray
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: so pray the word yeah you don't even have to know <laughs> just just pray what the word says and and when you mention all those things part of what I love in the Sermon on the Mount is the 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 part where Jesus says, um, ask and it will be given. Knock and the door will be open, Seek and you will find. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't stop there. He says, for if you ask, you know, I'll answer. And mm-hmm. if you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open. Well, those are all um, verbs right. that are continual. And I think part of the, the difficulty, and this is what builds faith, is that we think if we pray at once, we're done. I asked God and he didn't answer my prayer. Right, right. Well, well, the whole premise of what Jesus says there on the Mount is keep asking, Mm -hmm. keep knocking, keep seeking, you know, because here's what happens. The more you knock, the more you ask, the more you seek, the closer you get to him. And maybe how you started praying will be different than how you end praying. Mm -hmm. Because in that process, you begin to see what he's doing. And your prayer begins to be directed toward what you see God doing. Because that's why Jesus said, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isaiah 55, great passage. Um, The the prophet declares, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my ways your ways. And so I want to pray where his thoughts are. Mm. I want to pray where his ways are. And the only way I know his thoughts and his ways is to know what he's given me in word, right. to understand his character and his nature.
1: Because we see Jesus say, um, "Ask anything, and in That's my right. name, right." So we kind of there's a, a way where we can take that and kind of misunderstand it or misuse that, right? Does anything mean like my desire to own, own a Lamborghini or a house or or anything? Like what what is how do you how do we interpret that correctly of what Jesus is saying?
2: Well, first of all, there are those who would say what you just said is a correct interpretation. Mm. Um, there are those that believe you can ask God for anything. Right. But what we need to understand is in this place of authority and dominion, and understand this, it says Adam had dominion. Mm. It didn't say he had authority. Mm. So he gave dominion of the earth, but he didn't have authority. to give. We Jesus gave us authority. Right. When, when Jesus rose from the dead, it said, he gave us dominion, and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you power. He's going to give you authority. Right. So the enemy has no authority. Right. But our power and our authority comes from the word of God. And it says that when we pray, we are praying to glorify his name. Yeah. Okay. And so if I'm supposed to drive a Lamborghini, my first question is, what about this Lamborghini is going to bring glory to God? Mm. Is it just saying, look what God gave me? Right. Because does that mean that the person next to me who's going to pray now for the next 12 years to get a Lamborghini doesn't get one? That God likes me but doesn't like them? Mm. And so when we preface our prayers upon our wants and our desires and not God's will, right? not, not God's heart, that's where people get discouraged and that's where people get wrong theology mm. about how and what to pray for. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, one of the thoughts that came to my mind too is
0: is those that pray and um, feel as though maybe I didn't have enough faith, right? Like my, maybe my faith right. lacked yeah. in that moment. So, And maybe they dropped the prayer there. But one of the points that you brought up that I, I really liked was if we continually pray, maybe the way we began prayer, praying for uh, whatever it would be, would change to you know how we end up praying towards the
2: end. I believe faith grows, mm. um, and I believe Jesus teaches it that it grows again. Let's go back to the, the Mount. Yeah. Okay. He says, "If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say this mountain be removed and cast into the sea." Mm-hmm. Well, the issue with the mustard seed is this: it's not about the seed. It's about the tree the seed produces. Mm. Mustard seed is considered to be one of the smallest seeds. I mean, they have to put inside of a magnifying ball for you to see it. And yet it grows into this huge, mighty, massive tree. So when it says we have the the faith the size of a mustard seed, he's not talking about the smallness of faith. Mm. He's talking about the fruit of a faith that grows and becomes (laughs) a strong tree. Wow. And, And so, but your faith can't grow. If you don't take care of the seed and the way faith grows, again, if faith is the evidence of things hoped for right. and the substance of what we can't see, if your faith is going to be based upon what you want and what you see, your faith is never going to grow. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think, I think Rick just blew a lot of minds right now because I remember... Everybody's Sunday school teaching. Yeah, the, the, the <laughs> yeah. teaching is always the seed,
2: the seed, but never the fruit or wow. the growth of faith. That's, and I mean, I believe God for things now more than I believed for 10 years ago. Hmm. But then again, the things I believe him for are very different than the things I believe for 10 years ago because in my journey of growing with him in prayer, I began to understand and and I don't want to open this box, but I would just say, um, events of the past election. There were a lot of people that prayed for a lot of things that believe God said a lot of things. Yeah, and um, there are a lot of Christians wondering, you know, oh, what happened in the midst of that. <laughs> yeah, and I believe. Let's go back to the chess game. Hmm. Uh, I, I believe a move was made that it looks like. Oh no, we've lost. Yeah. But there's uh, there's twelve moves to go still. Yeah before we see the strategy. So I, I think, um, and the only way, how does faith grow? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Right. Yeah. Right. Can
1: you, I think I want to touch on this just because I know I've been in this place and this kind of um, has been taught much growing up that statement that we make sometimes like, I don't know how you're going to do it. And sometimes it's like the uncertainty that we feel never really means doesn't necessarily mean lack of faith, just because right. we don't understand how it's going to play out. Absolutely, and so I, I don't know if you if if you can unpack that a little more, just because I know, um, there may be people listening who have been told, "Oh, that's your problem, right there you you lacked faith in that moment and you began to doubt." But is that really doubt or is that really faith or or how do you how do you view
2: that? One of my favorite verses is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Hmm. <laughs> and so again, that, that verse in, in Matthew 11, um, have faith in God. If you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and do not doubt in your heart, but believe. So part of the problem with belief is that um, there's a human definition of believing, you know, it's Dorothy and the wizard of Oz tapping her heels together three times, <laughs> right. you know, or it's us looking at what doesn't exist and God is telling us to pray it in. And so there's always, we're humans. There's always going to be the human side of anything you pray for. I, I anybody who tells you, and I don't care how spiritual they are, how long the Lord, if they say that they have complete faith in every situation and they never doubt, I would say they're probably not being truthful, right? Because right. we always doubt, right? As a parent, as a grandparent, um, I have I have grandchildren who have special needs, you know, and and there are times we pray for them where they have to be life flighted mm-hmm. uh, to a hospital, and when I'm praying for God to heal, there there is God, are you really going to do this? Is so? There's always that question in the back of your mind. So the issue is not the question. Mm-hmm. The issue is the answer. Mm-hmm. If we're going to focus on dissecting the question and that I ask it the right way, am I asking the right thing, as opposed to focusing on the one who has the answer, because if we focus on the one who has the answer, he'll direct us how to pray. Mm-hmm. Because that's what the good. Bible says. When you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit will come and pray through you. Wow. And so um, we should never... Doubt what we're praying for unless, you know, I'm, I, this is literal. I know people that every week are praying for the winning numbers on a lottery ticket. And, and they rationalize with God. Do you understand <laughs> what I could do for you if, if I get all this money? And basically what they're saying is, God, if you give me all this money, you won't have to be God anymore. I'll take your job over.
1: Whoa.
2: Mm. I'll, I'll help people. I'll, I'll give this to that person to do that, and you may be giving a new house to a person <clears throat> that the Lord wants them to have a house, but it's seven states away. But now you've given them a house, and they're stuck, and now they're missing what God has over here. Huh. And and so we need to know the heart of God. Yeah, you know, and if we truly believe God is our provider and and God is going to meet a need, then we don't need to help God. You know, right. Abraham and Sarah tried to help God. Hmm. Abraham had the promise, you're going to be a nation as much as the stars in the sky." Ten years later, Sarah's going, or Sarai, she is then, she's going, "This isn't working. You know? <laughs> Something's wrong with one of us, right. you know? Right. And so she says, "All right, you know, Abram, here's my servant, my little Egyptian girl, take mm-hmm. her impregnate her, mm-hmm. and then her child will be my child that did not work out well, no. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, it was a mess from the, even before the baby was born, you know, Hagar resented Sarai, Hagar runs away. God encounters says, get back there. You can't run away. <clears throat> and then when Isaac's finally born and Isaac's finally weaned, so that Isaac's not born until uh, Ishmael's 13 years old. And then when he's weaned, so Ishmael's probably 16. Right. Then, you know, Sarah says, okay, Abraham, Get them out of here. And so he gives them water, gives them bread, and they take off. And God encounters us again. And God gives her the same promise that, you know, he gave to Abraham that your your son, his offspring is going to be great. But where are we today because of that offspring? Mm-hmm. So what happens is when we try and fix something because God's not doing as fast as we're doing. I mean, Abraham should have said, I love you, Sarah, <clears throat> but this right. is God's this is God's deal, not ours. Mm-hmm. He's the one who said it. So let's just trust him. And if it takes another 10 years, it's okay, because he's the one that said it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But we have a tendency to be like Abraham and Sarah, and that um, we we figure out we have a better way and a faster way to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say that the, the biggest encourager in faith is also the biggest killer of faith, mm. and that's time.
0: Mm. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> um. I wanted to ask a little bit of a more of a practical side of prayer. Um, but it, it's in reference to, um, just ability in, in prayer. So, uh, I think a lot of times I hear, um, when people are starting off, um, learning to pray and, you know, um, does that ability to pray, um, just like faith grow, um, through time and through practice, or is there more of a how can I say maybe a, a more of the world of the word being revealed to them that grows that ability?
2: Well, if and I am being honest. I won't say if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> um, I've been in a lot of boring prayer meetings. Yeah, um, I've had boring prayer times, and so there is. I believe it's not a formula. Mm -hmm. Um, but I believe there is a focus for us to walk through, to understand. Number one, it's a dialogue. Um, Number two, to be in a place where the presence of the Lord can have our full attention. And that's why I think having your Bible um, and the Holy Spirit speaks best when you're drinking coffee (laughs) <laughs> I want you to know that. I have your Bible and your coffee. And uh, <clears throat> I'm a journaler. Mm-hmm. And so I have a journal and um, I will just begin to meditate on the words. And when I'm, I'm not sure, I mean, I always have things in my heart to pray for, but uh, I've always found a great launch pad for me is to pray the prayers of the Bible. Mm. And so even though um, I may be going to pray, uh, for the city. Yeah. Okay, God's called me to Azusa. You know, if, if I'm not real sure where to go, I'll, <clears throat> I may go to Ephesians 1 or Ephesians 3, pray one of Paul's prayers out of there, for the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of Christ Jesus to be made manifest in our city, mm. and then let the Holy Spirit lead me. All of a sudden, a person will come to mind. Mm. So then I begin to pray for that person. Um, or a committee comes to mind, or our schools come to mind, or education comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I go and I, and I drive to um, every school in our city, and so I know the name of every principal. Um, I haven't met most of the principals, but I know their names. And so when I get there, I pray for them. And as I'm driving and praying, the Holy Spirit will just prompt my heart and say, pray this for that person right now. Mm-hmm. Pray this for that person right now. So you have to you have to have a place. Yeah. You know, um, prayer on the run is okay, and it's necessary because we are on the run. We, we yeah, are always yeah. on the go, but there has to be this this time for intimacy. Worship is so—and I know you had a guy on a few weeks ago talking about worship, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I don't need to correct anything he said, uh, but it, it's intimacy, and then it's petition, and then it's intercession— it just it just goes through this process, and again, I go back to marriage. you know you can't have a good marriage if you're always just saying hi on the run. Mm. you know hi honey, I'll see you later, bye honey, I'll see you later. Um, <laughs> you know it, it takes you have to sit, you have to talk, you have to have conversation yeah. and um, and that's how it is you know we, we we pray for people, we pray for places, we pray for I spend a lot of time praying for our government now, and um, i I'm, I'm mindful of the fact. This is what the word says. Right. Um, Pray for your enemies. Bless those who curse you. And and so instead of complaining about what I don't like and what's going on in the leadership of our nation, I pray for them with the same fervency that I pray for my grandkids. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's what the Bible tells me to do. Mm. And I have to believe there's going to be results out of that. Yeah. I think that um, there's an important topic
1: that you hit, which was praying the will of God. And I want to go into that. I kind of want to understand um, what does effective prayer look like? And um, from that, what effective prayer looks like, what do we do with unanswered prayers? Or what do we do when, when, it's not only an answer because time hasn't revealed the answer right. or something event happened that really showed us the answer was not what we were praying for.
2: So when you talk about the fervency of prayer, uh, I'm always drawn to James five when he talks about Elijah. Mm-hmm. Um, Elijah is probably next to Jesus, probably my favorite character wow. uh, in the Bible. And, and what I love about Elijah um, besides all the great stuff he did, we don't know anything about it. He just shows up one day and he shows up and he pronounces a prophecy over Ahab and Jezebel. Mm. And, um, you know, God brings him on the scene of of all the Kings of Israel, um, and Judah combined only seven of them, all the Kings only seven of them, um, after the nation split. Um, included the worship God had given to to Moses in the wilderness in their worship. Now of those seven, five of them also included the gods of the nations that they conquered, which God told them not to do. So they had mixture. Only two didn't and they both had to repent. That was Josiah and Hezekiah. But, um, of the others who, who who weren't focused on God, they never excluded him. He was just one of the gods. He -hmm. was equal with all the others. Ahab and Jezebel was totally different. Jezebel's uh, goal was to eliminate any mention and any memory of Jehovah, just to get rid of it. And right. so that's when God has Elijah come off the scene and he, and he says, because of this, um, it is not going to rain um, in Israel um, until I say so. <laughs> and so for three and a half years, you, you walk through this whole thing. <clears throat> and the thing is, that there are no rivers, no artesian wells. There's no way to water the crops in right, Israel. Right. It's all based upon rain. So it's not only there's no water, so there's drought, there's no drink, but there's also, there's no crops, there's yeah. no food. Yeah. And and that's that story where Elijah comes up with the widow who's getting ready to cook her last loaf of bread, and then she and her son are going to die. So in the midst of that, that all happens. And then suddenly after three and a half years, God comes back to Elijah and says, now go tell Ahab it's going to rain. Mm-hmm. So He does. He sends his servant and goes back and tells him. So God said, tell him it's not going to rain, and it didn't. God said, tell him it's going to rain, and it didn't. <laughs> Elijah had to pray. Oh. Mm-hmm. And okay. he, it's, it said he got into a position of travail, like a woman giving birth, and he prays, and he tells his servant, and says, okay, go outside and tell me what you see. <laughs> He came back inside and said, blue skies, buddy. (laughs) So he did that seven times. Wow. So God told Elijah, go tell Ahab it's going to rain now. But then Elijah had to pray it in. Mm. And it wasn't just a quick, okay, God, you said it, now do it. Right, right. Over and over. And then when he sees a cloud, it says it's the size of a fist. And Elijah tells his servant and he tells Ahab, run. And this deluge comes down. That's a flood. That's so deep. that chariots get stuck in the mud. Um, so here's the thing. It was God's will Mm -hmm. for the rain to start, but God put it on Elijah. Okay. It's going to start, but I want you to pray it in. And Elijah had to keep praying until,
1: Mm.
2: and he stopped the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, which he's Elijah. He wouldn't, but (laughs) you know, he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed in that rain. So then when James says, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, that, that blows me away, oh. you know? And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And actually, he didn't pray that it might not rain. He actually said, God said, it's not going to rain. So maybe James knows something we don't know. Maybe wow. he did say, okay, stop the rain, God, now and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. But he prayed again seven times. Right. Mm-hmm. So praying God's will, um, the the effectual fervent prayer <clears throat> of this man brought rain. God's will was for it to rain, mm. but he still had to pray it in. So how do we know God's will? You know God's will by knowing the Bible. Yeah. That there's only one way. Yeah. You know, um, ask anything, um, and if you ask it according to my will, mm-hmm. um, I will do it. Right. And we have this premise to say, well, if my prayer's not answered, then it wasn't God's will. Mm. But but I think we need to get to the place before that, and that when we know what we're praying is God's will to pray, because we don't see the answer when we expect the answer, we need to throw out it wasn't God's will. No, it was God's will.
1: Yeah. And it's
2: God's will that you keep asking. You mm-hmm. keep knocking, you keep seeking, you keep being, as James says, be a man and a woman like Elijah. Wow. We have a nature just like hers, and we don't give up. And so if God has put in your heart that something is going to happen, um, then it's going to happen. We have, we have a, a woman who's been a part of our prayer ministry for probably 30 years. Um, she accepted the Lord after she got married. She got married really young, like 15. She accepted the Lord, but her husband never wanted anything to do with the Lord. <clears throat> their garage was his sports room, had his TV, He had his yeah. bar in there. All his buddies came. Yeah, man cave. Um, that man cave, <laughs> Ram football. That's, that's what it was all about. Um, she prayed for that man uh, 37 years. And uh, two weeks before he died of cancer, he gave his heart to the Lord. Huh. Every time he told her to get out of the garage, every time he told her to leave him alone, every time he told her, don't talk to me about God. She just went back into the room and says, Your word says it's the heart of the Father that none perish, but all come to repentance. So we know that's God's will. Mm. So we pray that. Right. She prayed that over her husband for right. all those years, and she saw the answer. Wow. And, I mean, now
0: that we're we've been talking about it, just the... The importance of prayer is just magnified, oh yeah, you know tenfold. Just in in in, in the points that we've been hit, so it's kind of um, a huge question mark to me of why um, prayer can be so neglected inside the church nowadays. What what do we what yeah. do we
1: what do we point that to? Maybe because I always tell the story that um, I remember anytime advertised of a worship night this place can be packed or any place can be packed but uh a prayer night is advertised and i remember going i remember going to um driving to arizona just to go to a prayer night because i'm like i got invited i'm like dang this thing's probably gonna be packed like i get there like an hour early i think like 10 people showed up (laughs) and i'm just like in my head that's the first time this real this problem kind of opened up to me because i was like whoa what happened between the worship night that I came to in this same church about a year ago to the prayer night that I came to now.
2: And and thanks for asking that question because I think the answer to the question is this, worship and prayer are not separate. Mm. And I don't think you can have um, a great prayer meeting without worship. Right. And I don't think you can have worship without prayer. And really, I don't think the two... Can really be separated. Yeah, I think they're interchangeable. You know, the 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 verse that became popular about around 1999. It was three different ministries all received the same uh, understanding of, of uh, this this verse in, in Revelation where it talks about uh, the 24 elders around the throne, and each one has a golden harp in his hand, and in front of each elder is a bull, which is filled with the prayers of the saints. Yeah. Which is incense that's burning before the throne, the throne of God, right? And so these elders have prayers, incense, and they have harps. I mean, harps are not you don't put them on the shelf to look at them. <laughs> yeah. You know. So so you have worship and you have prayer, and there's nothing more powerful than to be singing a song and then pick a scripture and start to sing a prayer. Wow. And so I think one of the one of the things, one of the mindsets that's changed over the past twenty years, is that prayer meetings used to be boring, right? Um, except for those there, there are those intercessors that all they need is their Bible and a, and a <laughs> bottle of water yeah. and a quiet place. They're good and for twelve hours. They're good for twelve hours, <laughs> and they can go and go and go. Yeah, and I'm not one of those people. <laughs> yeah, you know, I. Uh, but but at the same time. Worship music is so critical to a fervent prayer life. When I say go into your quiet place, yeah, sometimes it's quiet. And one of the hardest things in, in not only learning to listen is to be still long enough to listen. Hmm. You know, there's a great, uh, A.W. Tozer, who's one of my, <laughs> one of my favorite guys, which I think you guys talked about when you talked about yeah, worship, yeah. you know, he says, he says, uh, in one of his books, he says, there are times when for hours I stretch out before God, without saying a word of prayer or of praise, and it is gaze on him. Mm. That's prayer. People think that, you know, it's like, and again, let's come back to a marriage. There's something that happens when a husband and wife gaze into each other's eyes right. and you don't say a word. Mm-hmm. Just continue to stare and to see what happens. Intimacy grows out of that. Well, the same thing, prayer is intimacy. It's, it's conversation, it's dwelling, it's abiding, it's letting him love you, it's you loving him. And in the midst of that, everything that we thought mattered doesn't matter. And so his will begins to, to well up in our heart. All of a sudden in this intimacy, our life begins to go before our eyes and we go, wow, I need to pray. I didn't think about him. The Lord just brought in my mind. I need to pray for him. And and we begin to pray <clears throat> according to God's will. If you know what God's will is, read your Bible.
1: <laughs> no, I, I think everything that was said here, man, it's a lot to chew and, and to dwell on. And so we kind of like to, there was so much unpacked um, and we kind of want to move into the practical steps into developing this prayer life. And um, anytime I've ever asked this, there was a book that you once gave me called The Way of the Heart. Mm-hmm. And that book has been like very instrumental into um, developing a prayer life and being able to understand the dialogue, but understanding the silence that needs to happen. And, and so I kind of want to let you kind of unpack practical steps for developing a prayer life that if you can give to um, somebody saying, you know what, Pastor Rick, after hearing the importance and necessity, the reason why I, I feel this urge inside of me to develop this, What what are
2: some practical tips you'd give? first of all we all have jobs right we hope of course, <laughs> yeah. of course in in covid we may sit at home right. so if we're not in person we're in zoom and we'll get an email that says okay we're having a meeting at nine o'clock on zoom right 99.9 of the people will show up at nine o'clock to be on that zoom call but if you say okay Every night at nine o'clock, I make an appointment on my calendar to spend time with Jesus to pray. And then somebody calls and says, hey, let's go watch a movie or, hey, let's go grab some wings. or We will take that schedule and we'll go, oh, it's just prayer. I can put that aside Mm. and come back and do it later. We won't do that at our job. No. We definitely will not do that. If you're married, you better not do that (laughs) (laughs) with with your spouse. And yet for some reason we do with God. So the first step is discipline, set aside a time Mm -hmm. every day, Mm -hmm. you know, for David, it was in the morning. Right. And, um, you know, it doesn't have to be this, the, you know, a a particular time of day. I think the morning's great because you want to launch your day uh, into what God's doing. And so, that means discipline. So that means if if you have to be to work at eight o'clock in the morning, or you have to be on your computer at eight o'clock in the morning, then you're going to have to get up at five o'clock maybe to spend your time with the Lord, just to be quiet with Him. You got to wait for the coffee to kick in. Right. You can't be quiet too long, or you <laughs> yeah, you'll, fall or you'll, you'll be asleep again. <laughs> yeah. But but it has to be a discipline. And yeah. so if if you're not willing to say I'm going to make an appointment with God and I'm going to give him this time every day. Mm. Um, it is going to be really hard to have a consistent, powerful, you can write down the answers prayer life. So, so first and foremost, set a time, uh, number two, make sure you have your Bible. And I always tell people, make sure you bring something to write down, Mm. because this is a conversation and you want to make sure, um, I use my journal two ways. I'm either listening for him to say something to me, or there's something on my heart I want to say to him, so mm. I write. For no better word, a love letter.
1: Right.
2: Mm. So I'll, and and some days it just comes out of whatever verse and and people go, well, what verse do I read today? Uh, it's the Bible, you know. <laughs> um, and here's what I tell people: there's there's a great app for your phone called the U Bible, mm. U version. Yeah. And if you take that app, you can. Have notify you begin every day a verse pops up. Yeah, and uh, so for years I've just done that. Whatever verse pops up, that's my verse for the day. And then I just I pray out of that verse. And I'm telling you, you can pray any verse in the Bible. You can pray Jesus wept. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You can pray any verse in the Bible. Yeah. You know, that comes in this place of intimacy before the Lord. And so, and when we begin to do that, there's this process. Remember. I said, faith grows, hope grows. Um, you know, um, as we continue to speak God's word back to him, we become more confident in what his word says. And then we begin to find out is I started praying this because I thought you were going to do this, but now that we're here, I know you had me pray for this because you wanted to do that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so part of the problem with prayer is we have already determined what the answer is supposed to look like. Hmm. And so if, if we continue to pray in this vein that it has to look like this and it doesn't, then we stop praying. Right. So, and that's when it gets into God's will. So we just simply say, father, you've put this on my heart to pray. Um, Help me to pray. So it looks like what you want it to look like. And in that process, our heart gets changed. Our heart gets softened. We begin to see differently. Mm -hmm. We begin to hear differently. And so it's like, it's, it is an intimate dialogue, not a monologue. Talking back and forth, so time, set a schedule, Bible, journal, worship music, and then just let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah,
0: man, that was beautiful. I think that 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 covers a lot of of the foundational um, things that have to do with with prayer, and 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 this has really been probably one of my favorite episodes so far cuz it's i don't know prayer has always been kind of the topic that is um maybe maybe in just my upbringing but kind of skimmed over it's just like just do it and um but the understanding of and the implications of it um were never fully explained so this was awesome for me and i hope you guys all thank you Pastor Rick uh, um enjoyed it thank you Pastor Rick for for being here
2: with us. And thanks for having me. And I just hope my son listens because you said this was (laughs) one of your favorites. So I just want him to hear that.
0: (laughs) We'll let Ricky know. (laughs) All right. And as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in and and sticking with us. Uh, We appreciate you guys and we'll see you next week. See you guys. Bye. Love you. Thanks.